What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo is here. I'm Bob Wankel. It's a special holiday edition of Crossed Up. It's a special Aaron Nola <laughs> resigns edition of Crossed Up. It's been a little bit, Anthony, probably about two weeks since we last talked. Glad to uh, be here and doing this today and uh, doing it off the, the heels of some good news, man. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the good news is, Bob, is the way that the deal is structured. I, I think it's good news, right? Like, do yeah, you think well, this is good news, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that we, you know, we've had how many times have we had this discussion about what are they going to do with this, with this spot? What are they going to do with Nola? Is he going to be too rich for them? Like, is it going to be a ridiculous contract? Turns out that Nola took less money to stay here. Um, the, they both gave a little bit. He gave a little bit on the dollars. The Phillies gave a, gave him the extra year, probably that that he was looking for, um, and, and so it worked on both ends. And so you look at it and say, okay, it's one hundred and seventy two million dollars over seven seasons. That's an average of what twenty four and a half million a year. Yeah. I, you know, seven years from now, what is what is the pitching market going to going to bring as an annual? Uh, an average annual value on their contract, and it's probably a lot more than $24.5 million. Even if at that point NOLA has slid down to be your 3-4, it's probably in, you know, it's not that ridiculous of a price that you're paying. And so you look at it and say, that's a good deal all the way around. That's a good deal for the Phillies. It's a good deal for NOLA. And, you know, and every I think everybody's happy because it was a free agent market that's not the strongest for starting pitchers, and if the Phillies look at this as their window to win now, you're better off with someone you know and someone you trust than with something that you've not had here before. Yeah, like so, it was funny. I uh, spent my Sunday it was my son's baptism. Okay, oh, and he yeah. starts he starts crying in the middle of the mass, and I excuse myself with him. I say, "All right, I'm going to take him outside, and we're going to resettle here." So I go out and I, I put him in the car, and we're hanging out for a couple minutes. And uh, my phone goes off and it's the Aaron Nolan news. And I said, oh, how about that? And so um, I'm in the middle of this baptism. I'm out in the parking lot of, of the church with my kid. And I'm starting to think through like Aaron Nola. I'm like, what a time to be thinking about Aaron Nola right now. Right. And, you know, it's it's sort of like I don't want to say it's mixed because I think my my overall sense is that this is a good deal. And I think it's a good deal for what you just mentioned at the end of your uh, explainer there, which is that. They are in a win-now mode. I really do believe that for the Phillies, 2024 represents their best chance to win a World Series other than what just passed, right. uh, of course. I really think that this is sort of the year. And it doesn't mean that they can't be good in 25-26, but they're obviously going to have to grow and they're going to have to bring in younger pieces if they want to, this thing to kind of you know keep moving forward. But with this core group – these aging guys that are either in their prime or starting to maybe even hit like the back half of the prime. I think that this is it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't bring back Aaron Nola, I don't know how you capitalize on the moment. I don't know how you maximize the return of 2024. And if you, you work through this, like they weren't going to do Snell. I do think that I do believe that there were some people, including some players that would have liked to have seen Blake Snell, in Philadelphia, but I don't think from an organizational perspective, that was realistic, right? You know, Sonny Gray, nice pitcher. We talked about him a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, but you can't sell that to your clubhouse. You can't sell that to your fan base that Sonny Gray 
in place of Aaron Nola is going to get you closer to where you want to go and, and kicking down the door. So to me, the, the best way to get to where you want to go is to not lose that key part in Aaron Nola, a guy that wants to be here, a guy that's well-liked in the clubhouse, a guy that, the, 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 you know, there's a, a really good relationship here. Yeah. So I think that you had to, in some ways, do this deal. And I don't want to say that the Phillies were prisoners in this scenario. They weren't. They, they could have, you know, been flexible. They could have been adaptable. But I really believe that if you want to go win a World Series next year, he was probably your best choice uh, for, for myriad factors. So because of that, you go seven years. Because of that, you go 25 a year. And because of that, you kind of hold your breath and you hope that the Aaron Nola you saw at the end of the season and in the postseason is the guy that you're going to get. And that guy that we saw for those first 27 starts this year, that, that's sort of in the rear view, that he sort of figured it out. Because I'll tell you what, everyone's celebrating this contract today, myself included. I like the deal. I'm on the record. We can play it back in a couple of weeks or I'm sorry, a couple of years if it's, it's a disaster. I like it. I'm glad they did it. But man. Keep in mind, everyone bitched about this guy all season and yep. every season. It's, ah, oh, yeah, same old Aaron Nola, September. See, he can't get it done in the big moments. And I think that he's put that behind him. But if he if if it's more of the same next year, what does this look like when he's 33, 34, 30? I mean, people are going to hate this contract. It's going to become a Ryan Howard contract if he can't be better. It's interesting because I think that this is a um, it's a marriage now and a long-term marriage and it's for better or for worse for lack of a better descriptor and um he this can go one of two ways bob it could be exactly what you just said which is the you know the negative view or it could be you know he becomes a a um one of the all-time phillies pitchers and, and i think it's more likely that like i i do you know and so i'm flagging the idea that hey you know, seven years, 172. Yeah. Oh, he took a hometown discount. He took a little less to stay here. Let's celebrate it. Okay. Yeah, like I'm down for that right now. But very quickly, that can turn. Very yeah. quickly. No, it it absolutely can. It absolutely can. And and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's going to be – look, there's going to be games where that happens. It, there's going to be games, I think, where Nola has a bad game and, and everybody's going to be like, here we go again. But I also think there's going to be the games where he really pitches well and it does it just goes under the radar because that's also Aaron Nola. Mm -hmm. Right. And so so the louder voices are always going to be the 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 what I what I think are the minority voices. Um, but at the same time, I get it. I mean, 2023 was not a good regular season for Aaron Nola. Um, but even at its even at you take 2023 in totality. In comparison to base pitchers in baseball, it was better than average. <laughs> no, <it laughs> which, was. Is, which is which is ridiculous to say because it shouldn't have been right. If, if you look at numbers like that, you know, in a vacuum, you say, "Man, that's a bad season for a pitcher." But right. in reality, the way twenty three. But in this case, when you're out, looking at this amount of years, good. this amount yeah. of money, you know, he's got to be better than slightly better he than does. average. Whoa, you know, yeah, and he does. One of the things that's really interesting now is that Trey Turner. And Aaron Nolan, in a lot of ways, in my view, had similar seasons. These are really established yep. players that you think are borderline superstars. Um, and they have track records. And they just, for the bulk of the season, didn't do their jobs. Yeah. 
and then they had just an incredible stretch at a really important time. And for both of them, it didn't end well, but they really got hot. They helped the Phillies get to you know, a win with a, uh, within a win of the world series. And you're banking on now moving forward that those guys are going to be more like those players you saw in September at the beginning of October, middle of October, moving forward. Like, I mean, next year and for many years beyond this one, you're talking about $51 million of combined salary. Like you better, you better hope, like you better hope that both of these guys have sort of put those struggles in the rear view a little bit. I'm not saying that Aaron Nola has to go out and be a multi uh, time Cy Young award winner. I'm not saying that Trey Turner has got to be a three-time MVP to validate what's going on here. But the, the greater point is that the Phillies have a substantial amount of money invested in players that you're not on day one, just going to show up and say, there's no question they're going to deliver. Like, do you know beyond a reasonable doubt that Trey Turner next year is going to be Trey Turner? Do you know that Aaron Nola is going to be more like the guy we saw at the end than the one that we saw for five months at the beginning? And then I guess while we're at it, we could throw in Nick Castellanos into that equation too in his $20 a year. So it's $70 million invested into three guys next year that I think reasonably you can expect to perform. But I can't tell you that like, I have that same level of confidence the way I do in another guy making $25 million a year in Bryce Harper. But I, I would I would argue that Harper is the only one that – the only player on this team that you have confidence is going to live up to their contract. Well, Wheeler. You, I guess Zach you, Wheeler is the other one. Those so are the only two. Because Wheeler's got a great contract. That's what he, so, he, yeah, I, I agree with up. that. I, I would actually – I know this is, this is ridiculous. I kind of almost – if you're watching on YouTube, you see me smirking as I say this, but I think that it's a pretty safe bet that Kyle Schwarber will live up to his contract. I mean, as long as you you're hope. okay with him hitting 207, yeah. he's going to hit 40 home runs and walk over 100 times, though. So yeah. I'm in on that. I mean, I think that that's that's a – I think you could probably put that in ink. Um, you know, man, like I, I, I want to see that to be – I want to see him be a little bit better. He though. should be a little bit better. I'm not telling you I said 260, but should he be hitting 205? No, I'd like how about, 220. If he can hit 220, 225, yeah, 225. yeah, you know, I mean, that's not great, but it's but with as many times as he walks, then it, that would make me feel a little bit better. About yeah, it. yeah. Well, so I guess you know I, I've I've tapped around some concerns about this potential concerns about the contract. Was there something now, like now that it's happened, because if, if we were recording today, probably either way, and if we didn't get this news, we'd be talking about, well, what do you think? And, you know, we spoke about this two weeks ago, this idea that, yeah, like, do they want him back? Probably, but do they want him back on, on their terms? Yeah, like that's how they're going to do it. They're not going to go highest bidder. And and a lot of like the, the talking points around this deal is that Nola probably left something on the table, probably three to four, maybe $5 million a year over the duration of that contract. So did he leave 20 to $30 million in total value out there? Like th that might be true. That might be a little aggressive. Yeah, I'd say maybe like 15 over the life of the deal, maybe 20. So the, the Phillies sort of get what they want out of it. There's a concession, but I still think 172 over seven is more than they would have wanted to be in, you know, February of last year. If, if Nola wanted 210, which is what some of the, the reports suggest, yeah. the Phillies were never going to go there. They weren't going to go there this year, you right. know, or this offseason. But 170, like, do you feel like that this is a, a fair deal, both sides? Like, this is the right money, the right amount of years. You can sign off on it for what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, so what it seems like just from P 
piecing things together. Back in February, they offered five years, $120 million. And NOLA wanted seven to ten. So you weren't ridiculously off on the year, like what you're getting each season. It was a little, I mean, there was a gap, but not a major, major gap. But you're giving them two extra years. Yeah, but the the term was where, you know, so it was not only was he asking for more money, but he was asking for a longer contract. And I think that's where the Phillies have been reluctant to sign pitchers for longer the, the, these kind of lengthy deals because you don't know with a pitcher's arm. I mean, you're it's a gamble, right? Um, and, and there's always the concern that, hey, listen, he's been a workhorse. He, yes, he's durable, but how many innings can you really put him on, on that arm, you know, before it starts to break down a little bit? Um, and, you know, we saw that, you know, at the end of Roy Halladay's career here. Like, he was a durable pitcher for most of his career, and then all of a sudden – there was an injury, and then he wasn't anymore, and he went downhill fast. And and so, like, things like that, you you got to be a little bit concerned about. So, heaven forbid, you know, Aaron Nola in year three all of a sudden has a shoulder injury or something, and then he can't pitch 200 innings for you anymore, and then you got four years of a, of a contract that you're stuck with as an albatross. So, I mean, like, there are concerns, and from, from the, and I understand why the Phillies were reluctant. But here's the thing, Bob. And I think this is where you're kind of where you were trying to take this conversation. So I'll, I'll bring it up. I think the Phillies were kind of pushed a little bit. I don't want to say forced, but pushed a little bit to to take this gamble by the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And I think it was the Braves once they made that trade with Chicago, and they traded five players for Aaron Bummer, who's just a reliever. I mean, he's Although, watch. Yeah, watch he'll turn into day. a superstar reliever, right? So, but he, so, but what they were doing was they were clearing out guys that they didn't want to throw money at to keep around because they were interested in signing Aaron Nola. And I would guarantee, all but guarantee, that the Braves were one of two or three teams that offered Nola more money, probably in the neighborhood of. One six one eighty five is what I was thinking. Maybe seven one ninety somewhere in that range. I think is is probably what those offers were. And I think once the Phillies saw that Atlanta did that, I think that was the impetus to say, "Let's give them our best offer now. Let's go." Yeah, get I mean, it done can now. you imagine that scenario? Even if you're questioning this deal this morning, imagine that scenario on Wednesday. You're at work. You're you're getting ready for Thanksgiving. You're all excited holidays are here and you get the that text alert Aaron Nola to Braves seven years 193 million dollars and you're thinking to yourself all right yeah I know the last two years they got him in October but as I've noted a million times on this show and I'm, I want to talk about this again in a couple minutes you finished 14 games behind him and now you just lost your second best pitcher to them yeah I mean where yeah. are you making up that gap? Now imagine that scenario. Phillies Braves October part three, and it's Aaron Nola in game three coming back to Philly, making a start. Like you want no yeah. part of that. You right. want no part of that. And that's not why you give somebody seven years. But man, like I don't think that would have felt too good. And I just think that in the absence of really truly appealing alternatives, I, I, I think you land there. And so the only other thing I want to talk about with the Aaron Nola contract is does this have an impact on what they do with Zach Wheeler 
during the final year of his deal. Because the one thing that you want to avoid, and you mentioned Roy Halladay at the end, you get to this, this combo of Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay where you think these guys are invincible. They're going to be good forever. As long as they want to do it, they're going to be great. And, you know, as we find out, that's not what happened. More recently, you look at something like the Mets did where you see, you know, Scherzer Verlander, and these are two great all-time pitchers of, of the modern era. And you think to yourself, well, they're up there in age and there's some innings, but like it's Justin Verlander and mm-hmm. it's 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 Max Scherzer and, and even like the, the, the Grom mixed in. Like the like take all three of them, right? At some point they've tried to pair these guys up and it didn't work. So here's my my concern or a concern, maybe, maybe it's just a talking point. I don't even know if it's a true concern. Hey, Zach, here's here's five, here's six for 2080 a year. What does that look like in 2027, 2028? Yeah. Can you do that? No, I don't I don't think it's gonna be that long. I really so do don't. Think, you, do you think they go like all in like three years, 90, 95? What do you I, do I, I think you get I think Wheeler maybe gets four. I think you can get four years if you say four with Wheeler. Um, four years what? One ten? Like he's gotta be more than he's not a twenty-five million dollar a year guy. If he has if his twenty twenty-four well, is what these last three years have been, four years. I mean, he's more than 25 years. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that, I think that you almost have to do a make good with him because you got him so cheap. Yeah. The, if I were the, him, I'd be like, damn, like, yeah. you know, I Hey mean, guys, I'm not looking to, you know, beat you over the head here, but like hometown discount, like I just gave you four incredible, incredible yeah. seasons. Yeah. What's up? I think, I think you could see a four one twenty. Any shot that they get that done. Yes. Before next fall, like he's got to uh, yeah. want to stay here, right? Like the dude's a fucking legend here. Yeah. If the Phillies, you know, it's a shame when, when teams don't cash at the end. And I was thinking about this with the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Like I think Jalen Hurts, you know, I, we don't, I, this is an Eagles podcast. We don't have to talk about where does Jalen Hurts rank amongst NFL quarterbacks. But if Jalen Hurts goes in and the Eagles win that Super Bowl, the, the way that he played in that game last year, Dude, like he's got a statue, like already, and they didn't win. And so there's like a, well, what is he? Is he is is he regressing? Is he really a top five guy? Is he truly an MVP? And like all these bullshit conversations that we have. There's been multiple postseasons now of Zach Wheeler just being an absolute animal. If the Phillies would have won one of these World Series, like we're talking about him is like an all time Phillies great. Like, yeah. Look at his postseason numbers. They're like, unbelievable. They're un fucking believable yeah it's like nick Foles in super bowl 52 extrapolated over 10 starts in two years he's <laughs> he's been he i know he had a hiccup uh, late in in 22 and at the, at the end but like dude he has been awesome like yeah. an all-time postseason no, yeah. yeah and i think i think that's the thing i think that the one thing i'll, I'll uh, the, the one thing i think i want to take away from this bob that um maybe we'll get a little pushed under the rug. And I think I'm going to try and talk. I'm actually going to be probably, a, you know, by the time this gets out, the, the press conference will have started or already happened. Um, are you, but are be, you going down? Yeah, there? I'll be down. I'll be down at the presser. Um, but one of the angles that I'm um, considering here is Dave Dombrowski didn't bullshit us. Dude. It, it's, it's funny. It, like I'm going to let you go. I yeah. have in my notes here. Dave Dombrowski, not a liar, no bullshit. 
he didn't bullshit us. And so when he told us number one priority was Aaron Nola, and that's what they the first thing that they did, and they went out and got him. All right, great. He he said that. He also said they want Zach Wheeler to be here for a long time. I think that's a secondary priority and probably a question to ask today at the press conference. Um, and I think that it's worth saying, you know, this is what the Phillies are gonna go get go get it with. They're gonna they're gonna go Wheeler Nola and they're looking at a five year window here and say, you know, because you assume that Harper and Turner are gonna be at their peak for five, you know, five more years at least. Um Harper maybe a little bit longer. Um that they're this is what the this is the run that they're gonna go with. These two pitchers, these two star players and you know, yes, you're right. Twenty four is more important probably than twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven with the core that they have. Um, but they're the they're the top four guys, two two position players, two starting pitchers. They're the four that they're going to go go try and win this thing with. Um, and I think a five if five years is is fair. And you say one one more year Wheeler plus four. If he's will if he wants to stay here and wants to be part of it, I think he'd take that, especially at his age. If he was a couple years younger, he'd probably look for the seven years, six, seven years that Noel is getting. But he's, what, 34, 33, 34? I forget what, it, what Wheeler is. Um, but, yeah, so I think if you extend him out to, like, his age 38 season, I think you're fine. So this all, of course, leads to one major question. And there are other things for the Phillies to do, and I don't know if you want to get into that today. We can wait, whatever you want to do. But every time they do something – my immediate question becomes, and I know this is not how we should do sports. Like one thing I hope that the Phillies fans don't do after this, this last postseason, and I suspect many will, it's like where we've gotten to with the Sixers, get back to me in the playoffs, get back to me in October. Baseball is a, a frigging grind. And if you go through 162 and you can't enjoy the walk-offs and, and the moments and the Johan Rojas debut in center field where he makes a great catch running against the wall. Like, if you can't enjoy those things, then it's it's going to be a miserable experience. But we do know, given where, where this team's been the last two years, that there is an expectation. There's an expectation to make good on what they failed to do this past postseason. And so I would ask you, is this enough? And we know they have other things they have to do, but is this enough in terms of your starting rotation in 2023, because the Phillies did not go to the World Series. They did not win the division. They were not close to winning the division. Is Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, and I guess Christopher Sanchez enough to get you to where you want to go? No. Okay. No. I think that they need another pitcher. Um, for sure. I mean, I think there's other things they need too, but I think that they I think that there's another starter that needs to come in here. Um, and I, I would, I would say that you want to bring in another guy, probably someone further down, a little bit down the line. Look, they're going to be in, I think they're going to be in on the Yamamoto kid. Um, I think the, the, the first, I think, uh, his first conversations start tomorrow, I think is when their teams are first allowed to contact him. Um, and it's not going to be easy. Japanese players tend to pick West coast teams or New York or Boston. I mean that tends to be tends to be the trend in um, uh, in baseball. I mean there are a few other examples, you know, of uh, other teams, but the Phillies have never really been one of the teams that have been in that mix. I think it's a different era, a different feel with with Dombrowski and then the money that the Phillies are willing to spend on players. And so maybe you can entice a 25 year old kid to come here. 
But even if that doesn't work out, I think that the Phillies have to think about getting another pitcher that could slot into that 3-4 spot in this rotation. One of two things to me has to happen. Taiwan Walker either has to be your number five competing with Christopher Sanchez for the spot. I think that's the sweet spot. Or, or you go get another pitcher and you find a way to dump Walker's salary. Well, that would be preferable. I, I just don't see that. I didn't know. I didn't know that option was on the table. Well, I mean, there, there might be. I mean, look, there's going to be. There's always teams that are in the middle of a rebuild uh, yeah. who need yeah. somebody who can throw 175. Dude, and, and, and he would be. He would be great for that. Right. I'm he saying like, and that's and that, well, that's what he is. You know, but is he a pitcher on a championship team? No. It's like but, Jeremy Hellickson back when the Phillies yeah. were going through that transition. Yeah, like, I mean, he's fine. He's fine for a team. Yeah, he's fine for a team that's just getting through a season. And that's uh, what he is. So, like, yeah, me, one of those I, would love to, I would love to see Walker, uh, Walker versus Sanchez in March, assuming that's the more plausible scenario. Uh, I think that would be a really nice spot for the Phillies to be in because you know it. I, I as much as I think I can enjoy the daily, I, I do kind of land more on the side of like, Come on, guys! Like, you you want to win it? Let's then let's win it. Let's get serious and add a you know a one C or a number two type guy behind Wheeler and Nola, and maybe it is Yamamoto. I mean, maybe that's what they do. One thing that's what's kind of nice here is that by retaining Nola, they didn't have to go out sign another high profile guy, forfeit draft picks. There's right. none of that. Yeah, same thing here. If you were to go after him, there would be no forfeiture of picks. It would cost you a lot of money. Okay. Uh, you'd like to think that the Phillies are at a point where like, I, I don't like defaulting back to that thing that John Middleton said, whatever it was five, six years ago on Angelo Cataldi show about like, give me my effing trophy back or I want yeah. my trophy back. It, it, it's not that simple, yeah. but like, this is where you go. Like, I think if you, if you come in and you bring in one more big arm, think it's a total game changer because I don't think they're going to do the hater thing. Although I would tell you, I would love to see somebody that is like an adult that can pitch the ninth, no matter who you're facing in the order. Uh, but he's not a, a multiple inning guy. I don't think he's the right guy for this team, but like, other than that, like th- to me, that's where you can make the most significant jump. Taking a step forward next year is going out and getting another stud arm at the top of this thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and like, I, like, you know, I don't think you dismiss, the notion of guys like Sonny Gray or Jordan Montgomery, even at this point. I wonder like, still with Gray, just based on what we talked about before with the, the relationship with Caleb Coffin goes back yeah. to Vanderbilt. Like, I just wonder if there is a situation where Sonny Gray is older. Yeah. Keep in mind, like he has not, is not one. Yeah. And you say to him, yo man, you come here, you get to be with your boy. You get to be in a clubhouse full of veterans you're not going to get as much here as you would elsewhere, but like you want to take a shot at this thing. Yeah. Maybe you think about that. Like, is there a path where they could convince him that this is the right situation and to leave some money on the table? Yeah. Because what's, if you do that, Sonny Gray becomes your three Suarez becomes your four. Right. And then it's like, that someone told the, me that the, the battle. someone told me that there's the, the big market thing with him in New York is, is a little bit like, over overplayed yeah it was a bad he had a bad running with the yankees but he was he's been good everywhere else but they in the same breath said like would i want him as like my stopper necessarily in like high pressure 
games in a big market where everything is scrutinized? No. But the, the landing point was, but damn, if you could put him behind two horses and let just let him be, yeah, then you would really, really like the return on him. Um, so that is, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I mean, they, they want to make that investment for that, that guy, like the Yamamoto thing makes sense just because he's 25 years old. The upside is incredible. Like it helps you sort of solidify your future. If he's what you think he is, you don't have to guess quite as much. Um, it would be nice to add somebody to this roster that is not over 30 significantly. So like it would, yeah. That would be nice, and so I think. Well, the, the, the good, I mean, I, I guess the good news is, is you, you, we keep forgetting, like long term, you got Painter coming. In you, you do, and and I'm still, you know, certainly all in on him. You talk to people; they're all in on him. They're not worried about the long term ramifications. The Tommy John, they think that he is the the real deal. He is not, you know, and this is not a shot at these guys, but they're just not the same prospect. He's not Mick Abel. He's not Griff right. McGarry. When people talk about like Abel McGarry and Painter, like it's a, oh, take your pick. <laughs> There's a very clear no. difference in the caliber of, of prospect. Doesn't mean even the caliber of what they'll ultimately be, but right now the way these guys are perceived, I mean, Painter remains uh, one, one of the most prized pitchers in all of the sport. Yeah. These other guys, if the Phillies found the right deal to bring in a veteran piece, I wouldn't be surprised if they were part of it. Yeah. I, the, the, this is all you need to know about Painter. Like, you know, you look at, Every year, and they'll probably be out in January this year, maybe early February. Some some of them. Um, well, you, you'll see all the top prospect rankings come out, whether it's you know Baseball America or uh, MLB Pipeline or whoever, whatever, whatever. Andrew Painter did not pitch one inning last year, and he'll still be a top fifteen prospect in Major League Baseball. That that goes to show you where the difference between him and everyone else that's in the organization. Okay, so yes, you got that. You still have that coming too. So maybe you can take a chance on a veteran pitcher. And you know, one of the things I, I want to point out about Sonny Gray, and you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be bullish here on it, but I think that I think that he's kind of been an under underappreciated pitcher in baseball. If, there's a couple of advanced pitching stats that I that I like. Um, sometimes to, to look at, to look at a totality, uh, maybe not so much as an analytics thing uh, from game to game, but more of a totality of a player's career. In 11 years, he's, his ERA plus is 121. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, that's he's a very good pitcher, yeah. That's very good. And No, if, if we fast forward a week and the, the Phillies went out and somehow acquired him to, to slot behind Wheeler and Nola, I'd say, okay, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel very good about and, that. And his, and his FIP, his fielding independent pitching, 3.57 ERA when his career ERA is 3.47. That's un it's unreal for it to be so close. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's telling you that he is what he his numbers are what they are. He there's no there's nothing that he's that's showing up in his statistics that you're saying, well, that's probably a little bit of an outlier or oh, he got a little bit lucky. No, no, he is what he is, right? That's 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 the kind of picture that you're getting. I would take a chance on on a Sonny Gray. Maybe not. I'm not saying anything long term, but if you can get him for for three, three years and whatever you're paying him, uh, go ahead, do it. I know we have a wide range of listeners. Some people really dial in on prospects. They like to talk about the intricacies of the roster, the, the back end of the roster. You know, who's going to be the backup catcher? Is Garrett Stubb, so the, the Garrett Stubbs is he back? Is that a done deal? Like, yeah. And the bench pieces, like for me on November 20th, there's a lot of things that have to sort of settle before I dial in on those like. 
filling in the, the gaps, you know, in terms of the roster build. One of these things that was not that it's this team needs another outfielder. Yeah. So there's two different ways you can go about this. Do you go out and you get a, a big time offensive player that can run around a little bit? You find that guy via trade. I don't know if there's a free agent that strikes your fancy. Or do you kind of go out and get another guy that's more defense first? Uh, he's not Johan Rojas at the plate. Because I, I think that, right, we're working under the presumption that Johan Rojas probably will not be on this team's opening day roster. Not to say it's impossible. He's going to play a ton down in Florida. Yeah. Maybe he earns the job. But I think you have to go into this expecting that Johan Rojas can't hit enough to be the everyday center fielder of a team trying to win the World Series. And when he comes up, or if he's a he gets hot, it's like, oh, wow, like what a bonus. Yeah. But I just don't think you can come into it like that. And I no. don't think that Christian Pache is that guy either. So no, no, I, and I think what you're looking at, Bob, that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, and and just for fans that are listening, ignore the David Schoenfeld article from ESPN talking. About I want to, I do want to talk about this. <laughs> we can talk Actually, about it. Like I, I, I do because <laughs> I don't think it makes a lot of sense. He can't play center field anymore. He cannot. And, and so I don't okay, know. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I mean, I, like if you're making that trade, you still don't. I still don't think you've solved center field. Well, people will tell you that Marsh can go run around out there for. But two then who's then who's playing right field? Well, <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like part well, of the, the trade that well, he has, you don't you don't want Mike Trout, Brandon Marsh, Nick Castellanos. No, well, Castellanos was part of the trade. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. Like, do you throw him on that back end of that, or do you? That's or do you find a way to like like I, I think Castellanos in the deal? Like, would you would you be excited for that? Would you be excited for Trout Marsh Castellanos left to right? Well, I mean, I think if if you were able to get Trout without giving up cast, I mean, let's talk about a lot. Your where's our salary going to be at that point? But um, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd be totally fine with that. Look, I'm a Mike Trout guy. I think Mike Trout, yeah, yeah a, a, a star player, maybe still. Even though he's been injured the last couple of seasons, I still put him top two or three players in the in the game when he's healthy. Um, so if you're telling me you're adding Mike Trout to this lineup, I'm I'm excited for it. But at the same time, I don't think it's it's feasible to do it the way that it was outlined in that ESPN article because you've 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 not filled the hole. Yeah, I, you I have two questions for you. So so as not to turn this into uh, you know Marks and Reese, like yeah. And that's not a shot at them, but like that's you're calling in. Like, would you want Mike Trout? Like, yeah. right? Like, and of course you do. So, I guess the the way that I would frame this is: What do you think the likelihood of this happening? Would be? Next to zero. Okay. I mean, like, I, I, would, have it, I would have given it two percent. I would say yeah. like this in life. Um, I guess there's a very small, slim chance that you could put something together that the Angels would accept. Because Perry Maniason, who's the GM of the Angels, he's going to lose Otani. Do you are you going to be the guy who can't re-sign Shohei Otani and then trades Mike Trout for Nick Castellanos, Justin Crawford, and I forget who the third was was Griff McGarry, the third player. I mean, that's not a, we know what that return is. 
And that's nothing for the Angels. I mean, Crawford yeah. might turn out to be a star, right, down the line, but he's still three years away. Yeah. McGarry's going to be a bullpen arm, and Castellanos, good player, but is an, has a bad contract. Like, you think the Angels are Angels people are going to be happy with that? There's no yeah. pr- like. I looked at that deal and I was like, this is asinine. Like the Angels are not going to take this for Mike Trout. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any sense. So, and then if I'm the Phillies. And I look at it and I say, okay, fine. Trout is certainly an upgrade over Castellanos, but you're still short an outfielder. Yeah. You're st- yeah. you're still short somebody. And I don't know what, what that choice is. You're going to go out and sign another guy on top of that? I mean, how much money are you asking Middleton and Middleman to spend? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So I, to me, it doesn't make sense. That's why I don't think that it's a, it's a reality. Not that but I wouldn't want Mike Trout here. It's just I don't think it's realistic. That's why, like, I don't even know from a baseball perspective if, like, you know, I guess it makes sense or I guess it would make the Phillies better, right? I'm, I'm, how do you argue against that? Um, but, like, man, wouldn't it be crazy? <laughs> just, like, yeah. what would that – you talk about, like, you can just book 81 sellouts right there. 100%. You, 100% you would sell out every game, 45,000 people in that in that building for every Phillies game if you traded for Mike Trout. There's no question it's a sellout every game. I just couldn't entertain that thought based off of what we just talked about for the first 35 minutes, which is like, <laughs> there's another salary in 2036. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> you could have five guys walking around making $100 million, and you're not even sure if they're going to be on the field at that point. But to answer your initial question, I think what the more realistic solution is, is – you probably settle for a little bit less defense with Marsh being the regular center fielder. Mm-hmm. Probably still in a little bit of a platoon with Pache. Pache against lefties, Marsh against righties. Obviously, Pache is the better defensive center fielder. Um, but then you go and sign a free agent corner outfielder. And now this is where it gets interesting because you could go one of two ways there. You could go with a guy who, you know, fits the mold of of everything else that you've built on this team, and just get a guy who hits, you know, good power bat and right and left field, like a like we talked about Adam Duvall last year as a potential trade deadline guy. Boston didn't ultimately move him, and then you know he's now a free agent. Um, maybe a Hunter Renfro, um, who looks like Mike Trout, <laughs> but isn't Mike Trout? They look exactly alike. They could be brothers. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a guy like that or. You go the other way and don't go with a power bat, but you go with a guy who's been a top-of-the-order guy in the past. Again, veteran, older player, um, but maybe fits a slightly different mold and lets you allow allows you to kind of maneuver the lineup around a little bit. And a guy like Whit Merrifield, um, who the Phillies have been linked to in rumors in the past, um, in the past couple of years, uh, when he was being moved out of Kansas City and ended up in Toronto. Um, so like, I think that they're, those are the type of names that I think are more realistic to come here and then you have your center field platoon with with Marsh and, and Pache. I think that is more likely than anything else. Um, I guess for now, we're, we're hitting about 40 minutes here. Is there anything yeah. else you want to tap into before we get out of here and, and sort of reconvene after the next uh, big Yeah, the, the only other thing I wanted to add in, Bob, and I don't know because they really haven't talked about it. So I do still think that there's a need for another bullpen arm. Mm-hmm. Um, a relief pitcher, uh, right-handed relief pitcher. I mean, it's like, how do you replace Craig Kimbrell? 
Well, I, I, you you say that it's like half facetious, but half half it's, 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 half yeah. true, right? I mean, I mean, look, the guy was really good for them for the for the most of the regular season. He he ran out of gas. Yeah, at the end. I know, I know. Yeah. I guess what? I don't care. No, but I, but that's, but the, the point is, is that you do still need that arm for the regular season. Like somebody has to be that replaced. Is there him. that guy out there that they can give that one year, ten million dollar Corey Knable? Corey Knable contract. Well, contract so I'll hate by the end of the year. I'm going to give you a little story. I, I, so my initial thought was, you know, who would be a perfect replacement, and is a free agent, Hector Neris. Okay. Except, I had a conversation with someone. Um, and I'll tell you off air who it was, but I don't want to say, I don't want to put them out there publicly. Um, Is this a good time to announce our, uh, you know, our subscriber or subscription package? If you want the, if you want the post show conversation, five ninety nine a month. No, but I'll, uh, I'll uh, I talked with someone who said that uh, gave me some some details about Naris's departure from Philadelphia, okay. and how there was a there was some real, I guess bad feelings on Naris's end. Um, like he really felt like he did so much for the organization. He was one of those guys that anytime they needed something outside of baseball mm-hmm. for fan interaction, charity stuff, whatever, like he was always, I'm willing to do it. I'm always there, blah, blah, blah. blah. And that when he went to Houston, the Phillies offered him, offered him $5 million a year. And he turned, he said, I've been here all this time. I'm worth more than five million. He would have settled for seven. He ultimately signed in Houston for eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, they said no. We're not going more than five. And then that same off season, they paid Kniebel ten, Jaris Familia six, and Brad Hand six. And that's what's crazy. Like even the idea of Hand, <laughs> I know it didn't really work out, but you're like okay, like veteran, yeah, lefty, like. Familiar when familiar when the deal was announced, people were like, "What on earth?" Yeah, and Knable, like you sort of were like, "I guess you know, one year deal, why not? Let's take a shot." But, but that was twenty two. That was twenty two million dollars for three guys who were useless, and they and this was that was Dombrowski's first year. That wasn't like this wasn't go back to Clintac, whatever. Like that yeah. was that yeah. was Dombrowski's first year. And Naris, they wouldn't give him, didn't offer him more than five. Now, maybe, maybe Dombrowski looks back on that and says, yeah, that was a mistake. And you can, you can fix that up, patch that up. I think Naris would be the perfect fit for what you need as a setup guy, middle reliever, right-handed option. If you needed them on the back end for here and there, he could do it. I, like that would be great, but I don't, I don't see any way that he would ever want to come back here. I think he's, he still feels a little spurned from what I, the conversation that I had. So yeah, I do agree. I, and I, I I would say that in general, the, the bullpen, I think, is something you have to continue to target. Uh, I thought that that bullpen underperformed last year to an extent. It had a nice run in the middle of the season for a little bit. You like some of the parts on an individual matchup basis. But, you know, you got to the end of the year and it really kind of became a weakness. And and that was what was so uh, really startling, especially in the NLCS, where you, you, you know, I know they did a good job against the Braves you get to the NLCS and you felt like you just had the significant advantage over the Arizona bullpen. And not only could you not hit their guys, but then your bullpen, which was supposed to be a strength turned into a weakness. And, you know, just because that happened for a couple games at the end of the season, doesn't mean you have to overreact to it. But I do think it's very obvious that you, you need a guy that is supposed to be able to get the outs that Craig Kimbrell could not get at the end. And they, they will have to find that. And well, 
it might way, be Kirkering. It might it, be Kirkering. Uh, yeah, you just beat me to it. Like, I don't want to put any stock in what we saw from him in some of his struggles in October. Like, I can't use that against him. And no. So like we gotta we gotta be concerned about him, or we don't think that he could be what they they believe he can be. But it is a little bit hard to see what you saw against Arizona and say, "Well, I know for sure that he's going to be an eighth inning guy next year." You yeah. know, like it happened, and I I like I said, I don't think you can count it against him. But like, sorry that it did happen, and it, you know, pardon me for being a little bit like. You might want to go get someone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, like, I, I don't want to. I don't think we need to dive into who no, we should go no. get or whatever. But I just, I just thought it was, uh, it's, it's worth mentioning. All right. Well, uh, you know, do you have a one last thing? I do, do have a one last. Actually, I have a, I have a, I have a one last thing baseball related, and I do have one non-baseball question that I just have to ask on the show. Uh, so here's the one last thing for baseball. Most interesting uh, thing that happened with the non-tenders. I don't know if you saw this or you want your thoughts are on this. Is the Brewers non-tendered Brandon Woodruff? Now he's got sur- surgery, shoulder surgery. He's going to be out for most of twenty-four. I guess there's a small chance he can come back at the end of the regular season, um, but you're probably looking at twenty-five. Does that look? As, is that a sign and stash kind of guy? for you in your mind or do you you completely red flagged by the fact that he's going to miss most of the season it's tough he's really good and you know you look at his numbers year to year and especially the last last three four years he's he's been outstanding i just you know i given that they have so much invested and like there's so much money in this that like do you really want to take like it depends. Is it restrictive to you financially? Because like I don't want to do a sign and stash and say, look, this guy cannot contribute in the short term, and I've got to pay him a decent amount of money, and it's going to prevent me from going out and making a deadline acquisition or going out and getting a a, a piece to to fill in whatever that that void becomes once you get into the like. I don't want to do it at the expense of being able to make the here and now better. What you could? What if you did something like, and this this is kind of really outside the box thinking, but. Your, the contract that you offer the guy is structured as such that it has the first year is not obviously he's not pitching so you're not paying him a lot of money mm-hmm. but that you have option years at the on the other side that are big money option years so that if he's coming back and you're saying oh okay <laughs> so we're not right. paying you're not paying him so much in 24 but that 25 20 I mean if he's recovering and all of a sudden's like oh man this guy can pitch now all of a sudden, twenty six and twenty seven, a couple of option years. At well, the end. I'll hedge. I'll hedge. I love the idea of doing that, and I, yeah. I suspect the team will do it. I don't think it would be the Phillies. No, I don't I, think it'll be the Phillies either. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I mean, I think like that, and I say to myself, if you want this to sustain beyond just one year, two years, whatever, that's that's a savvy move you can make. Mm-hmm. Thinking forward, thinking. So yep, here's absolutely. my one. Here's my one thing that's not baseball related. I don't, I'm sure you can probably see it over my left shoulder. Maria, <laughs> Maria put the Christmas tree up. I was not home when this happened. The whole house is decorated for Christmas on November. Then it was yesterday, November 19th. I think it's way too early. I want your opinion on this because uh, I, well, it drove me nuts when I walked in the house yesterday. 
I I stand with Maria. Um, and I got to tell you, uh, what is the appropriate date? Is it when the, the desserts cleared off the table at Thanksgiving dinner? Look, I, I'd rather it be after Thanksgiving. My preference is December. Like, okay. just get it up in December. You don't need to do it in, in a month and a half. Let me just give you – everyone has their own why on this. Let me just give you mine. Uh-huh. Uh, it is uh, time is of uh, is a premium is at a premium for for yeah. the, the Wankel family these days with two kids that are very young, and so when you get that uh, like my wife's an educator and we had the four day weekend recently and we started getting things up like slowly we didn't turn it into a winter wonderland but we've got the the foundation in place just because we're like when else are we going to get an opportunity to do this? So in that said. I also spend about like 10 hours a day down in my, my basement, which houses my office. And also I have a, like a entertainment setup. And so I'll just give you this here over there. Yeah. I got a little, I got the little one in the corner and then yeah. I can't get it to, uh, I can't position it in the way I want to, but I have a bigger artificial one in the corner of my basement as well. Really? Yeah. And so like, we've got like, it just, I, what I do is I dim the lights. It's just a little bit nicer. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually see in the reflection, the, the, the fireplace, fire. it's not a Yule log. I won't go Yule log until, <laughs> until December, but it's just a fire thing just to kind of like set like a little bit of like relaxation. I like it. Uh, so I am more on the early side. I don't believe people that say like, well, you're just overlooking Thanksgiving. No, I'm not. I have Christmas stuff in my house on Thanksgiving day. I will eat Turkey. I will put on my flannel shirt. I will take pictures. I will watch all three football games. I'll stuff my face and I'll have been thankful for everything I have in my life, but I'll have Christmas shit up around my house. I can <laughs> once. So all right. it's, a early, it's a little early, but I'm not one of the, like my thing is why do people, and I don't think you're, you are this guy. You're just posing the question, Yeah. but you walk in my house and you're like, ah, it's too early for this. Well, fuck you. I'll do what I want. <laughs> It makes me happy, so that's why it's up. How about that? That's great. That's great. I know. I was just happy holidays. She didn't tell me she was doing it. I walked in. I was because I was out of the house. I walked in. I was like, "Are you kidding me already?" (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you got ambushed. Like you didn't know it was coming. Like you went out. You went and you covered the flyers. Six (laughs) hours later, you came home. You got Burl Ives playing I, in the kitchen. She, 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 I, she didn't have the Christmas music on by the time I got home because it was 9.30 at night by the time I got home from the fly. I will say this. I used to even but, be early on the Christmas music. I have delayed Christmas music for the most part till post-Thanksgiving. The only exception is I take my daughter uh, to my in-laws in the morning. My in-laws watch her, and she's in the back seat, and she goes, Daddy, she goes, ho-ho music, meaning like Christmas music. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, all right. And so we listen to Christmas music on the way to the grandparents because it makes her happy. So there you go. So there it is. So good question. I'm glad you brought that up. Maybe that's what we'll clip the social for this episode. I, I like it. I Answering like the hard hitting questions. The hard hitting questions about baseball is do your Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving or not. That's awesome. All right. Well, listen, for Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. Make sure you check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere that you get your shows. You can also check us out on YouTube as well. You can follow Anthony at Ansan Philly on uh, X. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. And we will talk to you next week, I think. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. will happen. It'll be something to talk about. So we'll be yeah. back next week. And if, we, if, uh, if nothing happens, we can just manufacture some talking points and dive into that then. Good. Uh, See you later.